Like, there's nothing more bleak than living in the Midwest, um, especially in the country in the Midwest. To my left, outside my house is a cornfield. To my right is a cornfield. Behind me is a cornfield. Uh, in front of me is our driveway. Go up the driveway, there's a cornfield. There's nothing around. You're listening to 66.6 FM. Radio TOVH, The Flush. Well, hey there, everybody. It's me, Joe Thrash and Kill. You're listening to another thrilling episode of The Toilet of Hell Radio Show. Joined today by the good and golden boy, the internet sweetheart. You know him. You love him. We call him 365 Days of Horror sometimes, but mostly we call him Jordan. Jordan, how are you? Inferno. Yet patriotic hails to you, Lord Joe. Indeed, indeed. Uh, but it's not just us on this episode. Uh, really, uh, what I want you to do, and I never do this, because our episodes, we've done so many of them, and they're mostly non-essential, but I would say for this week's episode, essential listening is last week's episode, because we're going to tie up a lot of loose threads that we had plucked apart there. Um, so and to help us do that, uh, we, have, we have a special guest here. Uh, let's give a big hearty yaksemas to Uzkost, or Josh. Josh, how are you? I'm doing great. Very excited uh, to be on the show. Uh, I wanted to ask uh, real quick, uh, are, you, are you Czech? Uh, so my grandfather was was Czech. He came off the boat. Oh, okay. You, you've been around the scene for a, a while. Uh, folks that don't know, uh, Uzkost used to be known by Slaves BC. You changed that like three or four years ago, right? Yeah, 2020. Yeah, and uh, you've been on a streak now of releasing uh, new music. Actually, I think that you've got something coming out uh, maybe in a day or two uh, by the time that this this episode comes out. You want to tell us a little bit about it? Yeah, we've been doing a single every two months, um, and the latest one will be, uh, it's called 23 Ribs, um, and it's about just basically the, like, examining where... Uh, patriarchy comes from, at least from a religious perspective, like examining in the Bible, like, hey, how did this all start? And why is it like across the board that like men who go to church uh, feel so entitled to men or women's bodies and time? That's that's that is interesting, because I remember specifically like uh, having heard several preachers uh, bring up the verse that is essentially like women are to remain faithful to to their husbands, basically perform whatever duty they ask. Uh, and that seems like something that uh, probably, uh, if I remember it being repeated multiple times and I was very uninterested in sermons in general, it yeah. seems like something that was really focused on. It, yeah, it's it's a really big thing. And when I, you know, I grew up in it, so it didn't seem that way to me growing up I was just like this is the way the world is but like you know starting to separate myself out and examine some of that stuff more I'm like oh my gosh like this is entrenched like literally from the first chapter of the bible that like women are property yeah not uh not great I would say I would say that's a bad way to build an equitable society but perhaps yeah. perhaps we're not interested in building an equitable society that might be the likely scenario there yep um, that's interesting. Uh, recently, uh, not recently, because it was two months ago now, uh, you put out uh, for prop, uh, for property and profit uh, an EP, which I really enjoyed, um, especially like 
I gotta I gotta say the cover art you got for that is outstanding. Oh, uh, thank you so much. Who who did the art for that? I did. That's incredible, dude. <laughs> thank you so much. I uh, so I I'm like super insecure about my art and like drawing and stuff. Um, and I don't know why, like, I just got that image in my head and it's a completely different style than I've ever tried to do before. And I was just like, let me see what happens if I just try, you know? So it's, uh, it's very much like a a Raymond Pettibon type image. Yeah. Uh, so big fan of that. Uh, again, uh, encouraging everybody to, to check that out. And because we're probably going to run up against, uh, the, uh, release of your new single with our episode, we're going to go ahead and play something from, uh, we'll play for property, property and profit at the end of the show, if that's all right. Yeah, no, that'd be great. So, Josh, for folks that maybe are not familiar with you, what's what's your deal? <laughs> what's what's your whole thing, I would say? Oh, wow. That's a, that's a really big it's question. It's a heavy question, for sure. I think I just spiraled into an existential crisis. Um, <laughs> um, my whole thing... Uh, is basically, I, I mean, I was born into a musical family. Um, so my parents had a band since before I was born. Um, so I started playing drums with them when I was 10 years old. And I think I was doing like 150 shows a year uh, from age 10 to 15. Um, and then ever since, I've just been trying to like do the music that I want to do, you know? And luckily, you know, I... I have like some of my best friends in the world uh joined me in forming this band you know back in 2010 and like i've i've done a lot of stuff since then you know like i i think i was involved in 17 different projects at the same time oh my god which was way too much (laughs) (laughs) so now i'm down to one um and you know i just like I want to do music that I really love. I want to support the scene. You know, I'm, I'm like super excited about all new music that comes out and like, I want people to know about it. But at the same time, like all of this is like just an excuse to like engage with people and like understand them better, understand myself better and like try to positively impact people's lives. I dig it. So when you were playing 150 shows a year with your family, what kind of music were you playing? Um, so they basically sounded like the Christian version of the band Heart. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know what I was expecting, but that's definitely not what I was what I thought you were going to say. Yeah. I, I mean, it was cool for, you know, I mean, how many 10 years, you know, kids that are 10 years old get to do that kind of thing. Um, but like my family was awful and horrible and abusive. So like it wasn't actually great, you know? So playing 150 shows a year, that's got to interfere with things like school, right? Yeah, I was, I was homeschooled because of that, which was it. That's a whole thing. I mean, I don't want you to get into anything you don't want to get into here, but yes, I can imagine. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, no, everything is fine. It's just, you know, like I, I'm not even against homeschooling for other people. I just always say, like, you know, make sure your kids are okay with it. You know, homeschooling is probably fine if you're not an abusive piece of shit. Um, and then, you know, make sure your kids still get other outside influences or other adults to talk to. Yeah, this, you got to put a big asterisk on all of that. Yeah. Um, 
I think uh, Jordan, you know, being uh, being a Jewish man, I think he kind of gets a kick out of, uh, you know, learning a little bit about some of the uh, stranger wrinkles of Christianity from, uh, you know, a Southern weirdo like me and from a, <laughs> from an Appalachian weirdo like you. Uh, Jordan, is there anything in particular you, you want to know on this one? Because I feel like uh, Josh here can, can really open some doors for you. As a Jew from the Northeast, this is all very entertaining to me. <laughs> um, it's, uh, you know, it's just kind of interesting how we're all like roughly around the same age and we have lots of shared experiences, whether it's like talking about, oh, remember this show or I don't know. Remember when people thought computers are going to blow up when it turned to 2000. <laughs> but then we have like your growing up experiences are very different for me, like just going to public school, <laughs> you know, so it's always Interesting yet kind of scary and sad to hear that our lives are very different growing up, but then we do kind of meet in the middle somewhere as we get older. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, we've all uh, decided to spend most of our time engaging with uh, relatively unknown uh, band camp bands in, in the metal sphere. <laughs> What better way to spend spend your time and money, right? I mean, like some people like fly fishing. This is my my thing, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> um, Josh, we we watched uh, a documentary uh, last week. We did a whole episode on metal missionaries, uh, which I think a lot of our listeners really got a kick out of. But did did you get that vibe, Jordan? Hey, it seemed that we got a lot of positive feedback on it. Whether is people just wanted to hear what this weird documentary was or watched it and felt a lot of the same things we did or some people who actually kind of lived that life at one point and were having bad flashbacks about growing up and having to listen to some of this music or even some of this music was too heavy for them to be allowed to listen to so uh yeah i think it went over pretty well which is pretty good considering we decided maybe half a day before to watch it. <laughs> there was a lot of really great discussion in the, uh, and I, I will never say this again because it's unlikely to ever happen again. There was a lot of great discussion in the Toilet of Hell Discord <laughs> specifically <laughs> around this. Uh, we have um, a couple of listeners, like uh, one fella, uh, Indrot, who, like, for example, went to Bob Jones University. Like, it was fully enmeshed in this kind of, Oh my gosh! Uh, world and like, of course, like since then has completely reversed course and gotten away from it. And it's fascinating, you know, kind of what we were just talking about a few minutes ago, like how we've all come from wildly divergent backgrounds to meet where we're somehow engaging with this shit fetish website. <laughs> um, so uh, it it was fun. We we put that episode out, and and Josh, you actually piped up and said, uh, "Oh, I uh, I'm, I'm kind of familiar uh, with one of the cats in in this documentary that you pointed out." Can you tell us who it is, Josh? Uh, yeah. So, um, Sean from Grave Robber, the main guy from Grave Robber. We uh, in the last I would say three hours, me and me and Jordan have learned so much about this. Uh, for example, uh, we learned that just a couple of days ago, uh, Grave Robber got off uh, a string of shows with, uh, let's see, Doyle, Wednesday 13, Blitzkid, and DRI. <laughs> wow. For like a, a Christian horror punk band, I gotta say, that is weird to me. Is that weird to you, Jordan? It's weird, but the 
horror punk scene is very small, so it's kind of like if you're passing through a general area, you hook up with the one or two bands that are within a 200-mile radius. So I guess that's part of it. Maybe being around a long time is part of it. And uh, I guess as a reminder for people who may not remember, this was the fella Wretched who talks was in like the this. talks like this about Christianity <laughs> while wearing a dollar store Halloween mask and rubber skeleton gloves. We decided uh, that that guy was our favorite uh, character in uh, in Metal Missionary. So uh, it's it's very <laughs> it is kind of funny that um, I mean Josh, you you reached out and said that it was actually not such a fun time playing with them. <laughs> not at all. No. Um... I, I'd say that was probably the worst musical experience of my life. No, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna pause there because you just uh, told us about the uh, extremely abusive environment you grew up in playing music with your family. So yeah, <laughs> that that seems like a pretty big statement. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know how much you want me to go into that, but uh, it was it was a lot. <laughs> I, I want I want to know a little bit more because you know we we said like we like this grave robber guy this is this guy's funny but maybe we need to get informed maybe we need to know a little bit more about the behind the scenes grave robber or wretched specifically back in 2012 I saw grave robber at a, a cornerstone music festival um, and I just like they were one of the bigger acts that was playing and I basically heard like oh they're Christian guar like this has to be funny right. So I just like went over and I watched them play like one song and it was hilarious. You know, like they were like spraying stuff into the crowd, throwing random stuff into the crowd. And like you said, like wretched or, or whatever was like using that hilarious voice. Um, and he calls God the reanimator. Wow. <laughs> like the whole time, like he stays in character the whole time. And he's like the reanimator. <laughs> you know? And it's just like, it's ridiculous, you know? And I, like, walked away from that one song thinking, like, like I hated the music. Uh, <laughs> but, but I was like, that has to be so fun. You know, like, they, they have to be having a great time, like, playing this, you know? And then, like, I didn't think about them again at all until the, that dude, uh, Sean, Wretched, whatever, hit me up on Facebook and was just like, hey can you come on this tour and play drums for us? Uh, this was back in 2015. Wait, how did he, how do you get your info? Um, so I've been around. <laughs> sure. Okay. Yeah, that'll do it. <laughs> you're a known you know, quantity. Like, yeah. Like, you know, I'm a drummer. So if you're a drummer, like everyone needs drummers. Your dance card is full. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And like, I recorded for, I don't remember if it came before or after this, but like there's a Christian band called Vials of Wrath. Oh, yes, we are familiar with uh, Vials of Wrath, aren't we, Jordan? They're in both the documentary we watched last week and this one. Yeah. <laughs> so I recorded drums for uh, Vials of Wrath, the last album that he put out. Excellent. So I th we probably heard uh, heard your work very recently on that one then. <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, just like just kind of like you said, like the, the niche of this is so small, you know, like the, the audience for this is so small that if you're around long enough, you just know everyone. Like I know most of the members of like the solid state bands and like a lot of the tooth and nail bands and stuff like that. So like I've been around. Huh, that's wild. You ever met the guys in, let's see, Plank Eye? No, that's a little, 
that's um I'm more on the metal side uh, for everything. I'm just trying to remember like the the tooth and nail uh, samplers that I used to get when I was a kid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but so he hit me up because of that, um, and I think he was just desperate because they probably had run through like every Christian drummer that they could find. <laughs> for for folks that uh, want to look at the Wikipedia. Um, you can, you can pull up a uh, grave robber band uh, and see current and former members and the former members list really rivals like Megadeth link like it people are getting fired often here yeah and like just think how many more people probably could be listed there because I haven't looked but I'm assuming you are I, not on there I did look for you <laughs> yeah so like just just think how many more people probably have worked with that band well you're you're sort of mentioned on here because under former members it just has rot which was your <laughs> your gimmick but uh, it could be i guess anyone's gimmick yeah i think so i think there's a lot of people who are rot um that was like very that was a really big deal to them that like when i played with them i had to be rot like i had to introduce my i had to stay in the mask and everything and I had to introduce myself as Rot, and like, I'm not Josh. I'm I don't play in any other band. I am Rot. So, uh, did you also do like a, a voice like this? I I sure didn't. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, I'm Rot. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Please, Mister Rot was my father. Just call me Rot. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like a lot of other people had apparently worn that mask. Uh, yeah. and worn that costume. It, it smelled like it. <laughs> um, I mean, from a distance, you know, through the camera, it certainly looks like, uh, you know, Wretched's get-up is a spirit Halloween concoction. It doesn't really look like it's made to last. Uh, did did your garb feel quality or kind of kind of cheapo? Um, so, <laughs> yeah, like the the actual, like the rag thing itself that goes over your body was like super scratchy and stuff. And I don't know if that's like from how much dried sweat was on it or how, you know, low of quality it was. Um, the mask, uh, was, you know, I guess it was supposed to be a one size fits all thing, but like, uh, it was horrible. It like, that was, it like, uh, the chin of the mask, like cut in right under my bottom lip. Uh, so, so whenever I was playing, all the sweat would pool in the chin uh, of the mask and then just stay trapped there. And so when I was breathing, it was like I was drowning in my own sweat. Oh, you're waterboarding yourself while you were playing, man. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it was horrible. Okay, so let's let's back up here. You get you get a message from Wretched here, uh, Sean Browning. He says, "Hey, can you play with us?" Yeah. How does? Okay, take us through it. Okay. So he hit me up and he was just like, Hey, we have this Friday, Saturday and Sunday tour. Um, can you play for it? And I was just like, yeah, like, Hey, this will probably be fun. And honestly, I was just excited because like grave robber honestly is like a bigger band in like Christian music, you know, like underground Christian music. So I was like, Hey, I'm getting my foot more in the door, you know? Uh, and so like he gave me a 15 song set, uh, to learn. I could not latch on to any of the songs. They all sounded exactly the same to me. And so like, I really struggled to learn them, you know, but like 
I, I practiced them every day for two weeks straight. I went out to meet them in Ohio. Uh, I live in Pittsburgh. <clears throat> I went out to meet them in Ohio and like on my way there, they're like, oh, here's the itinerary for, for the tour. And like they sent the thing over and it has like Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and it had a Monday date on there. And I was just like, hey guys, like, you're playing Monday? Like, who's playing with you for, on drums? <laughs> and they were like, oh, you are. Am I? <laughs> yeah. And I was like, uh, you never asked me about that. And they're like, well, you can do it, right? So that was like, that should have been a warning flag for me. But I was just like, okay, like, I have to go to Pittsburgh, like, to work. I have to be at work 7 in the morning on Monday and work till 5. And that show on Monday was going to be in Ohio, like, two hours away. So I was just like, sure, I'll do it. You know, like, I just, like, you know, I, I should have known. But I was just like, you, yeah, yeah, that's fine. You, you've, you've already given far too much of yourself here in this scenario. <laughs> yeah, I went to meet them in Ohio. Oh, so what sucked about that, that extra day getting added and me having to go back home to go to work meant that I had to drive myself for the tour uh, separately. Um, so like I drive to Ohio, meet them. We run through the 15 song set three times in practice. Um, and like this Sean guy is just like, hey, I told you to play exactly like the album and like you need to play faster. And I was like, well, that's, I'm pretty sure that's how fast it was, you know? And he's like, no, you're doing it wrong. I know exactly how this goes. You, you need to play faster. And like, he was harping on it so much that I ended up like sneaking and I put my earbud in like, and when we were practicing, I was like playing to the, the recording and he was like screaming. He's like, you need to play it faster, oh just God. like the album. And I'm just like, what the fuck do you do? Shave those sideburns, hippie. Yeah. Um, and he was like, he kept yelling at me to play louder and stuff, which is insane. Like, no one... I'm a super loud drummer. I've never been asked to play louder. It's always just like, hey, you can, like, take it back, you know? Um, but, like, he's just like, louder, louder. And, like... I have been playing so much that every single digit on every finger uh, had blistered, burst, and then bloodied. Oh my god! Um, like, so I had to I band like put a bandaid on every digit of every finger, and then wrapped medical tape around all my fingers. So you, right now you're giving your blood, sweat, and tears to this. Yeah, yeah. We finish with practice, and he's like, "Okay, that'll be pretty good. Like, just make sure you play it just like the album." Here's where it started to get a little weirder is Wretched started talking to me about my band, you know, which at the time called Slays BC. And he's like, hey, uh, just so you know, like, I'm going to sign your band. Oh, uh, really? Yeah. He's like, I'm signing your band after this tour. And he's like, he told me that I needed to tell the label that we currently had to cancel the pressing of the album that they had already paid for and ordered because we were moving to his label. His label, Rottweiler Records, which we just found out was a Christian metal label. Yes. And honestly, I mean, there's a couple good bands on there and stuff, but like... I, 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 so just because we're so removed from all of this, all of this is kind of like a new discovery. So like I'm looking at the roster on Wikipedia with multiple like blue links here like oh these are like real bands essentially 
Yeah. Yeah, like, people actually want to be on that label. <laughs> and it's, Which, it's just because we're, we're so removed for it. And I would say that probably most of our listeners are, are as well. That This is just something we got to say, like, there are real bands here. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, uh, Broken Flesh is on that one. And they're, like, they're a fantastic death metal band. Like, they're like old heads, you know, so like they've been playing death metal since the early 90s and they're fantastic. Um, I don't know. There, there's a lot of bigger bands, you know, at least in this world that are signed to that label. So like, I guess I should have thought it was cool that he wanted us on the label. Where were, um, where were you at at the time? We just had like, it, <laughs> it was called Veritas. Um, Veritas vinyl and it was just some guy that I met on the internet and like all we wanted was somebody to pay for vinyl for us yeah. and he's like hey I'd love to pay for vinyl for you that's and that a, was, kind of like an amazing find like a sugar daddy relationship <laughs> it, it, it seriously was and so like you know I was like this guy he signed us in 2012 which at the time we only had two songs that were professionally recorded that we had put out at that time so like he was taking it like a giant chance on us so i yeah. wasn't gonna be like hey man you know i know you just spent like four grand of your own money on on vinyl for us but you can just go ahead and throw those away yeah like you got a you got a pretty good thing going right here yeah along with him saying that he was going to sign us uh sean from grave robber he's like but i need to i'm going to help you out uh, cause I'm going to work with you and show you how to be like a better band with good music. <laughs> and I was like, okay. And he's like, there's too much metal out there already. So I'm going to teach you how to be more like a punk band and like work on you for like how to write punk riffs. Um, and, and basically just like, like said all of this, like he was expecting me to be like, oh my God, dude, thank you so much. So you've, you know, been, you've been playing music for your entire life. Do you think you need pointers or help writing punk riffs? <laughs> no, and, and certainly not from this guy, right? <laughs> you know, like, I mean, there's there's certain people in the world that if they were like, hey, we want to show you how to do this one weird thing, I'd be like, yes, please. You know, or like, you know, any drummer, you know, if the drummer of Converge or like any of these cool death metal drummers or whatever came to me and were like, Hey, we want to give you some tips. I'd be like, yeah, please. You know, but wretched from grave robber <laughs> telling me how to write punk riffs. I'm, I'm good. Thank have you, you. Have you considered using a whoa? Oh, oh? <laughs> Just throwing it out there. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Have you played any of the grave robber music on, uh, like, we played like 10 seconds of a song, just to, the the one that has like 100,000 views on YouTube, just so people okay. get a taste of it. And it's like exactly what you think it is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I didn't want to get signed to his label, but he kept like throughout the weekend, he kept like dangling that as a carrot for like dealing with everything. <laughs> and I was just like, it's not a carrot, bud. Like, I don't I don't want it. Yeah. You know? <laughs> After practice in Ohio, load up drive to Detroit to this venue. I can't remember what it was called. I unload and I start setting up and wretched is like, yo, you need to go help unload everything. And I was just like, okay, that's fine. You know? So like I went and I realized that like he wasn't helping carry anything. Of course. And he, hit, 
he's like, you know, classic vocalist trope of, oh, I don't carry anything. I'm the vocalist. You're already the drummer. You have more shit to set up than anybody else. Exactly. You know, well, they had like a crazy lighting set up and they had all these props and like it was it was a lot of and the merch. Oh, my God. Like half the trailer was merch. Incredible. I swear to God. Um, But so like I help unload. I set everything up. And like by this point, you know, I had had a long day and I was stressed out, you know, so I decided to go to the bar because we were playing at a bar uh to get a to get a beer and the guys were like um what are you doing they're like you better be ordering like a pop or a water and i was like i'm i'm getting a beer and they're like you can't you can't drink the uh, the laws of this nation state otherwise <laughs> yeah, yeah and they're like you you can't be seen uh drinking on this tour and i was like but like, I'm not even costume. Yeah. <laughs> How are they going to know? Uh, yeah. So I was just like, okay, fine. And so like, I went outside to go smoke and they're like, no, you need to like, you need to walk like on a side street and walk down several blocks. If you're going to smoke. Oh a my God. And I, and they're like, wash your hands and stuff. So nobody can smell it on you. So just like the whole no, no drinking, no smoking, no cussing thing. No dancing like, either. <laughs> no dancing. No. No, that was the college I went to. Oh, no. Uh, so time comes for us to go on stage. I put this costume on, head to toe, mask and everything. And it's like, it's really heavy, like way heavier than I thought it would be. It didn't breathe at all. And so like the stage lights kick on and I feel like I'm sitting in a microwave, you know, wearing this <sighs> full thing. And like I said about the sweat, like pulling in the mask and we start playing and I'm like, I started to be like, okay, this is why I'm dealing with all of this. Like it was fun for like a couple songs. I was like, I'm having fun. This is great. There's a bunch of people there. They're having a great time. And then <clears throat> I noticed that like wretched kept doing like turning around and doing these weird hand signals and like quick hand movements at me. Like, and it reminded me of like James Brown. If you know the story <laughs> of James Brown, like how he would like, do those quick hand movements and we like looking back at it everybody's like oh those are just his fun dance moves but it was like every time he did that he was signaling at a member of the band and was removing a dollar from how much he was paying them that night yeah. for his making so he was doing that kind of thing to me and i was like what is he doing and he i i i shit you not um <laughs> he goes into the microphone mid-song and he goes, sorry, everyone, stop the music. I guess our drummer didn't bother to learn the songs. What the fuck? Yeah. And he turns to me, still talking into the microphone, and he goes, you were supposed to hit the 16-inch crash at the end of that fill, not the 18-inch crash. What the shit? What is this small band tyrant nonsense? Right? And like... I was like, are you a fucking punk band? You like, you don't know the difference between a 16 inch, my 16 inch crash and my 18 inch crash. Yeah. Like no way. Uh, and so like, I almost at that moment, like, especially at this time in my life, I was still, I didn't stand up for myself very much, but like I almost got up and walked off the stage and left like right there. Um, but 
I was like, you know what? I don't want to start a feud, you know, with this band. And I was like, that would be super unprofessional. And it would be super uncool for like all these people that were there. Cause for a lot of people, this was their favorite band, yeah. you know? And so I was just like, all right, I'll just put up with it, you know? And like, so we start the song again, play 15, all 15 songs. He kept turning around and screaming at me to play louder and stuff. And so like I was soaking wet, you know, my hands were completely bloodied and like we finished the set. I walk off the stage, stumble into the green room. I tore off all of my clothes. Like I was down to my underwear and I passed out. Um, and <clears throat> I, I wake up with the guys in the band, uh, being like still in costume. And they're like, what are you doing? Put your costume back on. We're about to do an interview. Um, <laughs> And I like look up and they had brought a 15 year old girl and her dad into the green room uh, with with video cameras while I'm laying in my underwear. And I was just like, oh, OK, cool. You know, so like I put all that shit back on and like, you know, I just had to sit there while they talked during the interview. Obviously, I wasn't saying anything. Um, but and then we had to like go after the interview like i had to stay in costume and go and you know do selfies and sign autographs and stuff like that and then like tear down load up drive back to ohio so and that was you get to all do, of that was you, day one yeah i was just gonna say you get to do that what three more times yeah that sounds fairly miserable jordan can you can you imagine playing with somebody who like just berates the a, a member of your band on stage I'm just really impressed with your patience. Yeah, same. And your your ability to not just start wailing on someone in front of hundreds of people, because I couldn't do this. I'm a patient man, but I probably would have socked somebody in the nose that did that. <laughs> I mean, I wanted to, you know? Right, I just would have been really petty and just be like, that was the 16-inch ride. <laughs> just doing it back to him. I should have. I honestly should have. So uh, but, the other nights, were they uh, equally fun? Yeah, I mean, each night it was it was basically the same. Uh, like that, I mean, he didn't stop to do the thing into the microphone and berate me into the microphone like mid song um, the next three nights. But it was just like it was the same thing. And it was just like being with these guys all day. And like, you know, I drove from Detroit back to Ohio. We played a show in Ohio. And then we headlined a festival in somewhere in the middle of Pennsylvania. And um, and then, like, I drove myself home, you know, fell asleep for a couple hours, worked, you know, a 10-hour shift, Ugh. and then drove back to Ohio to meet them for the last tour date. Ugh. You know, the one that they didn't ask me about until that Friday. Um, and, like... By the end of that fourth show, you know, I guess because like I got to leave and I got to go home, you know, for a night and like assess what had been happening. Mm -hmm. By the fourth night, I was just like, this is a fucking joke. And I don't give a shit if like if this guy blasts me on the Internet, if I don't, you know, hang on his every word, you know, or whatever. So like played, showed up just in time in Ohio to like walk on stage set up and play. And so after, after that set, 
I did not give a shit. I took off the costume. <laughs> I was like, no, I'm not doing autographs and interviews and selfies and stuff. And I walked to the bar and I got a shot. Nice. Yeah. And uh, one of the other members, the bass player, came up to me. He's like, hey, this has been really great. Um, so are you good for the show on Thursday in Missouri? In yeah. Missouri. Get out of here. Yeah. And I was just like, I was, I was like, are you fucking serious? <laughs> and I was like, no, no. I was like, I like, I can't take off more work for this. And I was like, I'd like to be paid for the four days that I've done with you. And then I'm, I'm driving back to, I'm driving back home. And he's like, Okay, completely dead serious, by the way. He's like, okay, well, we, we talked about it, and we thought you did great. Uh, so we'd like you to keep playing with us in the future, uh, maybe with a little more notice than this Thursday. But God really blessed us on this tour, and we want to bless you. And he handed me an envelope, um, and I opened the envelope, and there was $50 in it. Get the fuck out of here, dude. Yeah, and I was like, I was like, are you serious? I was like, driving from PA to Ohio, to Michigan, to Ohio, to Pennsylvania, to Pittsburgh, to Ohio, back to Pittsburgh, being their, like, you know, not just their drummer, but also their roadie, you know, and like doing all this shit and putting up with all that for $50. And like, I cannot tell you how much merch they sold. And like, I know at the very least, like the festival that we, we headlined, they made, I think it was like, I, f- I forget if it was three or five grand just to play. What? And then, and then like all, all of that merch and stuff. And I was just like, this didn't even cover my gas. No, like, are you, like you, like, you paid to play on that tour. Yeah. So. Oh my God. Jordan, what do you, so, what do you make of that? I'm going to find out if they're playing anywhere near me and I'll fight them for you. Yeah. Same, same. Yeah. Which which you should have done. It's like, yeah, I'll see you in Missouri and then just never showed up. <laughs> I should have. You're right. I was too mad to be like, you know, clever or, you know, that level of pettiness. It was just I was just like, fuck this. I'm never talking to you people again. I mean, I, that's understandable. That is jarring. That is a jarring sh- just insane way to treat another person. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, that's good to know. And, you know, Jordan, as you like to harp on it, uh, whenever you see a band that has a lot of turnover, you can bet that the money is all fucked up. And I guess that would make a lot of sense there, huh? Yeah, it helps when you don't pay people who help you out of a jam and treat them like shit at the same time. I, uh, I can't imagine. Uh, I'm sure that, you know, um, that, that was a bad deal. You got, you got screwed there, but I'm sure that signing to his record label would be much better as a financial decision. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that's probably why he felt okay only giving me $50 because he knew that he was giving me the golden egg of being signed to his label. Yeah, I'm sure that he wouldn't continue to abuse you in any way that, uh, with that. <laughs> so I think one of, the, one of the worst parts, and this wasn't happening to me, but like, I think it was the guitar player at the time. I don't remember his name, but he was a really nice guy. Um, he, I guess, Sean from Grave Robber had led this guy to the Lord. Okay. That was what he told me. Um, so he looked at Sean as his spiritual father. Oh, no. And so the way that Sean talked to this guy was horrific. 
it was like it was like cult like and and like manipulative and super controlling like how i felt like that they were overbearing about the you know no smoking no drinking no cussing like he was managing this guy's emotions at every moment and like you know if he started to relax and have a good time he would be like you know are you focusing on on the reverence and splendor of the lord oh no yeah like it was it was gross it was inappropriate and it was it was abusive you know like i hope that that guy i hope that that guy is no longer in that band because it was very creepy like how controlling sean was of that guy Oh man, um, that's uh, deeply troubling. Like that's an extra, like especially sinister wrinkle on like top of all of this. Uh, yeah. Well, <coughs> Jordan, I think that you're gonna have to make good on your threat. Uh, I'm glad to help a friend, so I look forward <laughs> to it. Uh, we gotta liberate that guitarist, though. That's no good. That's no good. I should look and see if he's still in there. Um, Josh, you made us aware. Uh, after the episode uh, we did last week, watching Metal Missionaries, the documentary about Christian metal, that uh, the creator of that documentary actually had a more recent documentary that he put out, uh, and uh, you know, for this one is is a, is a little bit different uh, in angle, kind of. Uh, this one is called True American Black Metal. Uh, this came out in 2020, I believe. Is that right? Uh, I don't understand time anymore. That's okay. I think roughly around that time. Um, so we decided that we would sit down and, and, and take a look. Uh, we enjoyed Metal Missionary so much. We wanted to see uh, what brutally delicious productions had put together with their latest documentary. Uh, and, you know, uh, I like, I like uh, some black metal. So we were, I wanted to know about true American black metal specifically. Um, what, do you, what do you think, Jordan? Is that what we got out of that? Well, currently sitting at a little over 2,000 views on YouTube. Ooh. Or you could, you could buy this on DVD if you're a lunatic. Uh, what this is is a, a lot of the complaints that we had about Metal Missionaries where there was too many voiceovers, there was like bad stock footage. I could have used a lot of that in this. Um, it is, again, interviews of varying quality, whether it's content or visuals or audio. And um, like the whole, whole thing's in black and white. There's black metal music throughout. Sometimes it's too loud, so you yes. can't quite hear the interviews as well. But uh, I'll, I'll read the little description of this. The genre of black metal is not an exclusive style to the European forest, but a genre that has been passed on to several countries, such the United States. Mm-hmm. A black metal movement has slowly been spreading throughout the United States, where some would consider the least likely location rural America. Between the rust-colored scrapyards and snow-tipped mountains, many phenomenal bands have come forth and presented their take on the genre of black metal infused with a little bit of that American small-town vibe. True American Black Metal is a film that documents this growing movement in the U.S. and contrasts the Americanized version to the true cult of the European version. The film sees many bands behind the camera giving their perspective, including, and people will recognize some of these names from the previous show, Frost Like Ashes, Symphony of Heaven, who I believe are producers on this, 
Crimson Moon, Mystic Winter, Elgibor, Vials of Wrath, Crimson Moonlight, Tyrus Ruina, O Majestic Winter, Pantacrator, Uzgost, hey! and Throne, Crest of Darkness, and a few others. The documentary speaks to how growing up in the United States changed the perspective of Black Meadow from the European style. Um, yeah, this uh, this documentary, uh, it, it's, uh, it's notable, I think, primarily because it has our friend Josh in it. <laughs> uh, my primary complaint with uh, Metal Missionaries was that it did not feature any music in it. This one does feature music, but... Uh, it never tells you exactly what you're listening to and when, and sometimes that it's so loud and it bleeds into what somebody is saying, and it's really kind of a mess in that way. <laughs> uh, we do there, get uh, we do get uh, we do get narration from D. Calhoun again, but only a little bit. Um, and oh, wait, wait, wait. but you know, this time D. Calhoun, rather than being a voice, we get to see his face. Where he is wearing sunglasses so you can see him reading the script on his computer. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, what, what is this documentary, Jordan? So it's, again, a bunch of interviews, not, not a lot of sequiturs going on, just a general various discussions, mostly about like Norwegian black metal or the true black metal versus American black metal. And then a kind of bobs and weaves into Christianity and faith, because again, a lot of these are the same bands. And uh, occasionally, we'll get some live footage of a random black metal band playing their music, but it's recorded very poorly. The footage so you is don't, awful. <laughs> you don't get a lot out of it. And uh, Various people, uh, I did get a kick out of uh, Ingmar Amin from Crest of Darkness, uh, mostly because he's wearing a shirt of his own band with his own <laughs> face on it. I, I I was not familiar with that band before seeing this, but like that band has been active since 1993. That's that's a long, long time uh, to really get, I guess, nowhere with this. Uh, my my question for you here, Josh: How was this build to you before you participated in it? What what were they telling you? Oh my gosh. Uh, <laughs> when they reached out, they were just like, hey, like we're a professional studio. Uh, we've, we're making a documentary about American black metal bands and like we're taking it to these film festivals and stuff and like we're really excited and we'd love for you to be involved. And I was like, wow. Like I felt, <laughs> I felt like really cool that like somebody was asking me to participate in this. And I was like, weird that we're not like really really that black metal and we're getting asked to do this but i was just like oh whatever um and then like i started talking to them about like well who else who else are you getting and and they're like oh don't we have a lot of amazing a lot of amazing american black metal bands on this and i was just like well i mean like i can i can help you like get Maybe like the people in Vukari or Uwada or, you know, some bigger real black metal bands in the United States. And they were just like, no, 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 we're good. We're, we got we got all the big names we need. And I was just like, cool. All the stars are here. Yeah. You know, um, but yeah, I totally thought it was going to be different um, <laughs> than what it came 
than, than what actually was released. Um, I, I think, I, I think the general concept is kind of interesting. Uh, if they actually like went into these small towns and these rust belt places and kind of showed you the struggles of growing up in a, a dying town or yeah. the isolation of being in living in nowhere and how that affects your music. But we don't get any of that. No, right. it's, you get the same kind of just long meandering interviews as, uh, as the previous documentary. Again, it's, it's kind of a very lazy way to make a movie. Uh, and the results, I think, you know, it's, it's, it's not so good. It's, it's pretty bad actually. Um, I, I was really glad that we got the guy from uh, Frost Like Ashes again on this, though. Um, I, I enjoyed his presence so much in the, the first movie. Uh, this time he, uh, he removed his sunglasses, though, so it's a big step, I would say. Uh, he, he actually said something that uh, I, uh, I agreed with, which uh, was kind of jarring for me as well. He's, uh, he was saying that, you know, uh, being from wherever he's from, that, um, you know, Things take longer to get to you when you're kind of isolated, and if you find something like black metal that you're into, there might not be anyone around you for, you know, a hundred miles that cares about any of the stuff that you care about. And I was like, yeah, that that kind of checks out with my experience of being a kid. Uh, I So it was fun to, to think like, okay, well, maybe I don't have, uh, maybe we're not so far apart, me and the, uh, the Frost Like Ashes guy. Uh, but then you you found one of his side projects here on uh, on Metal Archives, Jordan. Oh no, it wasn't that guy. It was uh, Pathos from Symphony of Heaven, who, I, like I said, is I believe one of the producers on this, and he talks at length throughout this entire thing. Not really saying all that much, but curious about all these bands. I looked them up, and one of his side bands, Coronetzor, their themes are society, struggles, COVID, war. Christianity and anti-communism. Hmm. <laughs> I haven't uh, seen anti-communism used as a red flag for another uh, ideology ever. I don't think. <laughs> with their with their four-song EP, one of the songs is called "Not the End" in parentheses. Time for commies to get a job. Wow. <laughs> Cringe. I this guy had I would say probably the most screen time in the documentary. He uh, was constantly gesticulating with his empty coffee mug, which bothered me. And I, I don't want to judge a book by its cover, but he had a goatee and that's also, that kind of, you know, says to me, that's a signifier. Like, I don't know. I don't know about this fella. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but Josh, you're in here and I think that you're actually, uh, you know, you, you, you present yourself very well in here. Uh, and I think that you offer a pretty, uh, stark differentiation between some of the other folks here. And I especially appreciate like your decision to do this interview, like uh, while wearing uh, protect uh, trans kids shirt. Like, I think that that's probably uh, something that say the, the fella from Coronet Desires or whatever would, uh, would find uh, questionable. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I honestly, when I signed up for this, I thought it was going to be, <clears throat> like more of the real uh, American Christian black metal bands. So I thought it was still important, you know, cause you know, insert the gif of Arnold and Carl Weathers hand clasp gif, but Christians and true black metal musicians love hating trans folks. So yeah. um, either way I figured I was covered. 
<laughs> you know, with that shirt. So, which if you read the comments, some of the comments on the YouTube video, like it's it's apparent that that did upset some people. Yeah, um, you didn't win over barbarian blood and bastard whore son with your T-shirt. Yeah, really, barbarian blood is a bigot. I'm so surprised. Uh, let's see. Uh, Bastard whore son says, protect trans kids, I'm out, lol. This is why people laugh at America and our black metal. Save yourself some propaganda and revisionist history and back out now. And I would encourage him to look up literally any of the other bands featured here, and I think he'll be shocked. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. you're listening to Christian music, you idiot. <laughs> yeah. But, <clears throat> I don't know. I just, like, I guess I'm still glad I did it, because it was you know, again, it's a story to tell. Um, but like, it was not at all what I expected. <laughs> I guess, uh, yeah, another issue that I, I had with this, uh, this documentary is that for something that is titled true American black metal, like half of the bands featured here are not American. <laughs> uh, and most of, most of them don't play black metal. Yeah. Uh, there's that too. It, it seems like there was a big focus on, like, the Appalachian black... Well, it, there definitely was a big focus on the Appalachian black metal thing because it was directly in the questions they were asking. Like, they they were asking a lot about Appalachian black metal. Um, so I was like, I guess instead of being called true American black metal, it should have been, cr like, adjacent Christian metal plus Appalachian, Christian Appalachian folk black metal. I think that would be a more accurate descriptor, yeah. <laughs> um, so, and again, like, if, if this were solely covering Appalachian black metal, like, there are so many bands here that it's, you know, definitely missing. Seems like it's pretty obvious that, like, Panopticon should come up, but it did not. <laughs> Uh, although I think a guy's wearing a Hammerhearts uh, brewery like shirt in while being interviewed, I bet you that in DC Mills for, uh, parts, DC from Vials of Wrath, there's probably a Panopticon sticker or poster somewhere in the background. Uh, yeah, I think I think I saw like uh, yeah his guitar case had like Uwada on there. I definitely saw that. Yeah. So. Uh, People here are de definitely familiar with these other artists, but like, again, nothing, nothing really to cover them. Uh, it was just kind of a, a strange meandering documentary overall, and then you had uh, this, the weird Euros coming in. Like, uh, you get ten seconds of a band called Scald Invium. Did you see that, Jordan? Oh my God! Oh, this was the most one of the most interesting parts of the whole thing because band they never heard of all wearing masks, all wearing hoods up, and whatever they're trying to say is difficult to hear because there's an effect on them. So that's a thing that happened. It was filmed like an ISIS video. Uh, one of those guys, <laughs> by the way, like was wearing a fedora like on top of his hood, which I thought was a good touch. <laughs> I, I think that what he said specifically was like, European bands should play European black metal. American bands should play American black metal. It's like, okay, this is fucking wild. <laughs> um, and multiple people throughout this documentary, when they're talking about like American versus uh, Norwegian European black metal, also referenced like Chinese black metal. You know, yeah. Like, huh. 
weird. <laughs> even uh, I guess they're I guess they're all be, Ghost Bath fans. Yeah, I, I that part stuck out to me as well. That was the dude from Symphony in Heaven, I think, and he was like, "There could even be Chinese black metal." Well, that one's complicated, but we can talk about that on another episode. Um, I uh, I liked the guys in Goat Herder. How did you feel about them? I, I had trouble getting past the large, true piece of the cross that the vocalist was wearing. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, I liked that uh, he was herding goats while he was talking. I thought that was very, uh, very true. Uh, I, I tried to find their music online. I could not find anything, though. So that was a, that's a real bummer. There's a Facebook page with some live stuff on it. Uh, you know, that's not going to sound good. <laughs> um, I think that uh, another real highlight for me, I'm probably going to use this as the uh, intro to the show here. At, 30, at uh, You have the guy from Symphony of Heaven saying, uh, quote, there's nothing more bleak than living in the Midwest. <laughs> Uh, which uh, I've never lived there, but everything that I've heard, yes, I would agree with you. That sounds about right. I lived in Iowa for a time, and driving around, there were some counties without like a stoplight. Um, yeah. So that's that's pretty bleak. That seems there's just nothing right. there. It's just fields. Uh, what was uh, what was your big take? What was something you enjoyed from the uh, the documentary there, Jordan? I would be saying this even if he wasn't on the show, but Josh, you come off the best on this entire thing, uh, personally, and what you had to say. Uh, like you said, it was a, a breath of fresh air among all the nonsense because you actually had something to say. And uh, there was one thing I wanted to ask about because you referenced uh, black metal and capitalism, and I kind of wanted to know more about that and where you're coming from with that. Oh my gosh, I don't remember what I said. <laughs> <laughs> This was a few years ago. It's fine. That's fine. Um, I, I think that um, what there are so many angles that this movie could have taken to maybe justify its existence a little bit better, and it just doesn't do any of them. For example, I think we're 50 minutes into the movie before artists start explaining some of the differences between Norwegian black metal and American black metal, and it's like that should have, I guess, number one, happened way earlier. Assume that your audience doesn't know anything, and Number two, like I, it would be so easy and so useful to like have more sound here. Essentially, play clips, let people hear what you're talking about. Don't describe the music, play the music. That's that's just a chief complaint that I have whenever we're talking about music, but not actually listening to it. I think one of the, one of the reasons why is because a lot of the bands that they ask don't really play live. I guess that would yeah. I guess that would make sense. Uh, the um, Oh gosh, uh, Vials of Wrath guy. Uh, he explained specifically in the last documentary that uh, he is now solely a, uh, a studio musician. Uh, so um, again, I, I wish I would. I wish he would have said uh, what those bands were that he was touring with up and down the East Coast and the other one. I want to hear all of these bands. I want to hear what they sound like. It's pissing me off. They actually used uh, a clip right at the beginning. Like the first clip is a band that I was in for a minute. Um, <laughs> But like I was so surprised that they they used it's just like cell phone footage, you know, and I was like, wow, this is what they're kicking off the documentary with. Like, ugh. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, Mavrimna. that was um, me and a former guitarist of Slay's BC. Uh, it was our project 
we would play one show a year and we would just get on stage and play for 30 minutes straight, like completely unrehearsed, just some whatever came to us at the time. And I have I have it in my notes here. Like, I wish that the footage we got here was better because the quality is terrible. So, yep. again, all so many baffling choices made here. I, I just don't know what to make of any of it. And the movie ends abruptly. Yeah, um, it's... This movie, as I mentioned, like 50 minutes in, it starts getting into the difference between Norwegian black metal and American black metal, and the, the movie itself is one hour and ten minutes long. <laughs> uh, I gotta say, I don't think I can give uh, folks the uh, the coveted Toil of Hell recommendation to watch uh, this documentary. I, I, I don't think that you're really going to get a whole lot out of it. Uh, I think that we just got to couple together uh, Josh's parts and let him watch that. <laughs> Uh, maybe I'm wrong though. Is there are there any moments that uh, you think I should uh, clip and let people hear here, Jordan? There's really not much to latch on to. It's much like Middle Missionaries. There is an interesting idea that in the right hands, under a real documentarian and a real professional studio, you could have gotten something out of it that would have been interesting. Instead of doing the true American black metal thing, like. I don't know how many just general audience or even metal fans are that interested in hearing about the differences between Norwegian black metal and American black metal. I think the interesting story is if you wanted to focus on Appalachia in general and then this very specific, very harsh sounding music that you could find uh, among the hundreds of miles and in different states and the different people among it. I think that's a much more interesting story to tell and they didn't do that. No, uh, I, I need these. The, really, uh, these guys need to listen to our suggestions here. They're going to make a much better movie the next time. I know it. I know it. They probably will listen to these suggestions. Oh crap! <laughs> I forget that people actually listen to this show sometimes. Well, especially if you name drop them in a podcast. Whoops! Oh well. <laughs> I think you definitely need to like call out the the goat herder guys just because every time they were giving an answer the person who was like holding the camera would pan down to the goat like just chilling there uh i thought that was amazing and then like the guy talking about he started talking about like black metal's origins right at the beginning and he's like it was defined by church burnings and death and it like cut to a terrible microsoft paint picture of a cartoony skull like (laughs) That's great content right there. Oh, my God. I completely forgot that uh, when you're, uh, like, I think the very first clip that you have, like, they cut to an insane stock image of, like, an old guy. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I started talking about, like, um, you know, like, how industry died and a lot, like, we, we have a lot of unhoused folks and stuff here. So they immediately cut to a homeless black person. And yeah. I think that was the only person of color featured in the entire documentary. Across two there documentaries was, now. <laughs> there was one more. It was I think it might have been you talking about the opioid epidemic and they showed a person of color shooting heroin. Oh, see, uh, you know, look at the diversity. Yeah. <laughs> Again, no women in two documentaries now. Uh, women uh, are, are not allowed, uh, you know, uh, as, as we alluded to at the very beginning of the episode. <laughs> uh, I, I don't know, man. I, I feel like um, there's there's a lot that, like just talking to Josh here, I feel like there's a lot that we can learn about like a, a whole segment of metal that we have 
previously just not touched at all with with Christian metal and I just feel like these guys are not doing it justice in the least bit. There is so like it's a whole other world over there and uh, I would like a better look at it than than what we're getting here. I think we need to invest in some cameras and hit the road. Yeah, I, I, Josh, we need you to set up some connections for us if you still got them. You know some of these guys still? I mean, if you're being serious, yeah, I know a lot of I know a lot of people <laughs> in the Christian metal world. And honestly, there are some really good people uh, and some really good bands involved. Well, I think that actually it would be cool to, because we made fun of a lot of these Christian bands uh, for the last two episodes now. I think it'd be cool, like, actually, if you wanted to name drop uh, some folks that you think are good and their bands are good. Yeah. Um, so there's a band called, I'm going to butcher the pronunciation. That's how you know it's a good band. <laughs> uh, Hezicast. I can I can send you the Bandcamp link, um, but it was basically like uh, a one one man black metal project that was like Batushka before Batushka, huh. uh, and it was super good. Um, I mentioned earlier the band Broken Flesh, uh, fantastic death metal band. Um, then like the first three albums by the band Tourniquet. That was actually the band that like introduced me to metal back in when I was like three years old. Oh wow! Um, it was like uh, you know the Jesus answer to Slayer and Metallica, but you know that I I think musically they were a lot more interesting for those first three albums than Metallica and Slayer, which you know I'm sure people are getting really mad that, at me. That's for saying, pretty. But, that's pretty high praise. I gotta I gotta listen to these records because I've never heard that. I've never heard them. Yeah, like uh, people are thrown off on the first album because they have like the really high pitched vocals on the first album. The like, ah! you know, but like <laughs> albums two and three, Psychosurgery and Pathogenic Ocular Dissonance, uh, they dropped the high pitched vocals and it's just like super gnarly, like really interesting and dark, like early thrash metal. All right, yeah, I you sold me on this. I'm gonna I'm gonna check these these records out. Cool. Uh, anyone else you want to name drop here? I don't want to cut you off. Uh, I mean, I could go for a long time, so I'll just say no. Okay. <laughs> uh, I I've just I've in the last week I've learned so much more about the the sheer depth of Christian metal. For example, uh, Jordan, have you ever heard of Vomitorial Corpulence? Oh yeah, I don't think so. You you know you know this band. Yeah. Can you tell people what it is? <laughs> it's it's ridiculous. <laughs> it's ridiculous. I mean it's just I mean it's again it's just like another a Christian person saw music or saw a band, liked a band and then they're like, "Oh wait, but I love Jesus, so I need I need to make the Jesus version of this and it'll be so much better." because I'm singing about Jesus, you know, than the source material. Yeah. So, um, I think originally from Australia, vomitorial corpulence, uh, grind core for Christ, which I, I previously had never considered that that would be uh, a thing that would exist. But I learned, and apparently they were, they've been around for a long time, like the early nineties. <laughs> it's, it's like discovering there's a secret society that walks among you. You have no idea until you, until you start digging. I mean, there's Christian gore grind. That's insane to me. I had no idea. 
there's like there's a Facebook groups that are specifically just for Christian gore grind. They don't have a lot to talk about. <laughs> Uh, you know what? I guess I've been I've been lost in secular society too long. I, I had no idea all of this stuff was going on. But uh, I'm making the uh, toilet of hell promise that we are going to be further investigating and sharing our findings as we go along here, because uh, I feel like a lot of folks are similarly in the dark as to uh, all of this going on right under their noses. Um, before we get on out of here, is there anything that you would like to share with our listeners out there, Josh? Um. Yeah, just that uh, check out our new single coming out on the 28th of April. It's called 23 Ribs. Um, our friend Colleen uh, joined us for guest vocals on it. Um, and then the only other thing is uh, I've been working with um, uh, two friends locally, um, and we're just going around weekly uh, to serve the uh, unhoused community in Pittsburgh, um, just like taking them supplies and like listening to their stories and trying to offer like legal aid and, um, you know, if they need medical care and stuff like that. Um, so if anybody lives in the Pittsburgh area and wants to join us, join up with us, hit me up. Um, it, or if you're interested in donating at all, cause we're paying for everything out of pocket, hit me up. And it's called Community Care and Resistance. We're going we're gonna to share that. How can folks best get in contact with you? Uh, right now, for me personally, you can get in contact with me on any social media platform through uh, our band, Ooze Cost. Um, and then Community Care and Resistance, uh, we just have an Instagram account. Um, and it's CCRIP1312. There you go. I will link all of that helpfully in the show description. Jordan, is there anything you want to share before we get on out of here? This is a very interesting world, and thank you for peeling back a few of the onion layers to let us know about whether it's Grave Robber and the insanity of touring with them or just kind of the background of this documentary or some of the bands that do this stuff that are actually good. So I think we all learned a lot from it. I certainly did. Um, if you like this show, you can get more of them over at uh, patreon.com slash toilet of hell. Um, give us some more money and we'll do some more shows. That's, uh, that's our current commitment. Uh, thanks for all of our new subscribers. We got uh, Fantasy Label Ball, Prosthetic Records Part 1 coming your way uh, any day now. Uh, maybe by the time this is live. <laughs> so uh, thanks for everything. Hit us up if you got any questions or comments over on the Twitter. And uh, hey, we'll see you next time.
You're listening to 66.6 FM, Radio TOVH, The Flush.